Today, our message is from Psalm 51, and the title of it is Flawless Performance, and we basically get that inclination or that scripture from uh, Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17, and which God is, or David is saying here, uh, going through the motions doesn't please you, meaning God, a, far, a flawless performance is nothing to you. So whenever we're looking at this psalm, we, we see, David, it's, it's one of the truly unique psalms in the, in the scriptures because it's a, it's a deep psalm of repentance. It's a deep psalm of repentance. And here is David, King David, and he's in a position of authority. He's in a position of, you know, overwhelming power, a king of a nation, kings of armies. You know, he's in this place, but yet he also recognizes that the system, the religious system that is the one of sacrifices and the killing of animals for the sacrifices of sin, he, he recognizes that this, this, these acts of sacrifice isn't really enough, that he sees that there's more to this um, forgiveness that comes from God than just killing animals and burning them on a sacrifice. And we know as we look back over and put the history of Israel and the history of the sacrificial system into place, we also see how that Jesus Christ came to be the sacrifice for uh, the sins of humanity, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so as we look back and uh, see the sacrificial system, like when they were leaving the nation of Egypt, they were to take a lamb and they were to bring it into their home and keep it for, I think, five days. And then at a certain time, they were to sacrifice, to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts of their homes so the angel of death would pass over. Well, in our lives, in the Jewish Passover, And so in our lives, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who shed his blood upon the cross so that the blood of Christ, when we ask for forgiveness, cleanses us from all sin and so that we no longer have death, eternal death in our lives. And so David, he's he's just, you know, he's referred to as the man after God's own heart. And we see David as a person with flaws. We would think that, if we were someone after God's heart, we would be perfect. I know we can't all measure up to some standards. <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you want to don't want to live up to this. live up to His. Okay, there we go. Um, whenever we want to see how that God wants us to live up to His standard, and, and the standard that we have, if we ask the question um, on a scale of one to ten, how would we rate ourselves in our Christian walk? Okay, don't raise your hands and don't put up a number. So we see that it's important for us to look at what God has established in our life and see how that David here, a man after God's own heart, recognizes his need to be changed and to be cleansed. And in Psalm 51, verse 1, he says, Generous in love, and this is from the Message Bible, Generous in love, God gives grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. (laughs) Okay, ladies, we should identify with this, right? And there there are certain uh, ingredients that we can use on uh, certain stains that can get them out of the garments. Well, what are are the... And David sees that the sin of his life, 
the sin that is upon his soul, that he's asking God to soak it out, to deliver him from these things of his past. We think, I think of how that our faith, how that our faith saves us from our past. People are haunted by memories, by things that have gone wrong, things that have happened, things that were deliberately done by someone else or um, not deliberate. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, circumstances of life. That some things have happened in life by, deli- by deliberate action and some by accident. There we go. And we have to look at life and we have to forgive them and let it go. Because our decisions for our future can, cannot be made upon the hindrances of our past. That what we, if we have anger and bitterness and hatred and, and in, envy and strife and all these things about our past, we carry them with us in our, in our decision making. But God wants to forgive us and that we can cleanse ourselves from these things and let them go. Forgiveness is not an option. Forgiving others and forgiving ourselves is not an option. That when we forgive, we allow things to separate from us. Now, do we remember? Yes, we don't have a magic eraser. You know, how often do I have to forgive? You have to forgive until the pain no longer hurts. No longer hurt from the pain. Pain no longer hurts. The memory isn't there and creating a pain. Now, oh, I, won't, I won't make a joke about the person beside you if they're creating a pain in your life, bump them. But I won't do that. Okay, so we have to... <laughs> We have to let ourselves know that God is in, in this. And, and David, here's a king. Here's a king who recognizes his failures and his faults. And he's saying, I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. Okay, this is the end of verse, verse uh, 1, verse 3. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. <laughs> faults and failures. Our sins of the past stare us down. You know, when do our sins of the past dominate? They dominate when we try to forget them. Okay, don't think of a pink elephant. (laughs) Don't think of a pink elephant. Okay? How many think of a pink elephant? All right. Why? Because I brought it up. I suggested it. Well, in our life, whenever we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a diet. What happens then? We crave food. <laughs> you know, I'm going to lose weight. I find it. You know, we, 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 whenever we start putting these things in place, it's just kind of like our, our way of humanity, our humanistic perspective of wanting to take and not deprive. Well, when sins are there in our life, it has that same effect. And forgiveness is a way of saying, looking at ourselves and looking at our past, letting it go. But it doesn't depend, it, it is not dependent upon my strength or willpower. It's God and I working together. So when I ask God to forgive me of my sins, God is there working in my life to bring about this person that God wants me to be so that I can look at life from a divine perspective. I believe Christians should be the most creative people on the planet 
because we have the divine spirit of creation inside of us in our lives and the Holy Spirit and, and, and the Spirit of God that brooded over the, over the earth when it was without shape, without, uh, vo- you know, was, uh, without shape and void. You know, when the Spirit of God brooded upon it, it's like God is hatching out, hatching out a plan. He is bringing together a plan. And whenever we look at our lives, God is bringing together a plan. God is bringing together a plan for he has for each of our lives. We'll sit and think about that for a moment. <laughs> what is the plan he's trying to bring about for my life? And, well, you're in the midst of it. You're in the middle of that plan. And what God is saying is don't allow failures to hinder future. Don't allow failures of past to hinder present or future. So the way to do that is, and David is bringing it up here, verse, verse 4, you're the one I violated. You're the one, meaning God. I violated my relationship with you, God, and you've seen, you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. So here, it isn't like we're, we're going to say, well, you know, I won't tell God everything. I won't tell him this. He already knows. There was a retirement for one of the uh, teachers, and uh, one of the and and her favorite expression was, "I I don't want to tell my husband this." You know, she'd do something. Oh, I won't tell him. I won't tell Jim, John, Jack, or whom I don't know who it was. And I won't tell him this. So at the at the at the retirement, they were the the other teachers are bringing up some of the things that she wouldn't tell her husband. Her husband's there. You know, and most of the things he knew, except one, and it's like, and it was like, you did that? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, that was it. She broke her, she dropped her iPad and broke her screen. So I'm not going to tell Jack that, you know. And he looked at her, you said you did. She said, yep, I repaired it. <laughs> so it's like we're, we're looking at our life and say, well, I don't want to tell, no. We are transparent with God. Be transparent with ourselves. Finding fault is not, finding areas that need improvement, we all have them. It's not finding fault. Finding places in our life that need improvement. You know, there's, there's, lots, of, there's lots of place for improvement. There's a, there's a lot of need for improvement. So God has given us the ability to know, to learn, to absorb, to put together things in our mind and our hearts, to be creative, and the creativeness of the Spirit comes together with our thinking and with the events of life. God has a plan, and it's all coming together, and we cannot allow failure, faults, sins, mistakes of the past to dictate what we're going to do today. So forgive them and let them go. God is not a manipulator. He is a leader. God does not manipulate. God loves. He leads. We follow. David goes on. You're the one. He says, I've, I've sinned. I, I've sinned against people. I've sinned against myself. He said, predominantly God has all been against you. It's all been against you because when I hurt other people, I'm hurting God. See? When you hurt, God hurts. When people abuse, hurt, say, misrepresent, whatever lie about you, 
God hurts. Why? Because he doesn't want his children to hurt. You know, if you have children, your child falls down, gets hurt, what do you do? Oh my, well, it's like you hurt just as bad as they do. Oh, I love the, I always love love whenever you're going to punish them. It hurts me as much as it does you. Uh, that doesn't work. Okay, <laughs> you know, it doesn't hurt me as much, you know. Well, then don't do it, Dad. <laughs> All right. So, You have all the facts before you. David's saying this about God. You have all the facts before you. You know the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. Whatever you decide about me is fair. Now, if, if we think of God as a person who's trying to get even with us for our failures, it's a mistake. If God wanted to get, if God wanted to get even, for, even with us for our failures and our sins... We all wouldn't have a prayer. You know, it'll all be over. But I've been out of step, David is saying. I've been out of step with you for a long time. In, in the wrong sense, even before I was born, I've been out of step with you in my own humanistic perspective. But what you're after is truth from the inside out. Pilate, what is truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth that we find in life comes from God, comes through God, comes from his word. We find that in the scriptures there are guiding principles for interactions with God and interactions with people. The Ten Commandments. <laughs> Funny we should, you know, think of the Ten Commandments of that old whatever. <laughs> All of the relational experiences, the six relational experiences that we find in the commandments basically make up all of our humanistic laws that govern our society. So, soak me. Anyone soaked? Not yet? Okay. So, verse 7. Soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Scrub me, and I'll have a snow-white life. <laughs> Scrub me. Clean me. You know, I used, do you ever see a mother trying to scrub a child's face? <laughs> Just like... Get, let, me, let me get this. You know, it's like, get away from me. You know, <laughs> you know stay back. I'll, I'll live with my pain. Don't get that whatever off of me. You know, I can take care of it. You know? God isn't trying to look at our faults and failures. He's looking at the picture of where we can become, what he wants us to do. And he says, soak me. And then he says, tune, I like this one. Tune me into foot-tapping songs. Tune me in to a foot-tapping song. <laughs> How many like music? The rest of you? Okay. But anyhow, everybody, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I would say, let's get out of, get in step, you know. But uh, you hear music, hear something, so it's a tap, foot tap. I want to be a foot-tapping song. What kind of song would you sing? Would it be a dirge? Woe is me. <laughs> I can't wait for things to go wrong again. And I got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. <laughs> you know, things can't get any worse than they are until the next minute. You know, that's not singing. <laughs> that's not praying. Turn me into a foot-tapping song. Turn me into something more than what I am. A foot-tapping. An upbeat, an upbeat person. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, say, God make me. God, make a fresh start in me. A new beginning, a new life. Every day is a new beginning, a new renewal of the promises. Don't throw me out with the trash. 
or fail to breathe holiness in me. Transitioning from life, transitioning in life, it just keeps getting better from here. Give me a job teaching rebels your way. So we've got, we find out that when God has a purpose and a plan and all this going on in our life, that God is at work doing something. Now, there's a couple more things here. Commute the death sentence, God, my salvation, and I'll sing anthems of life-giving praise, life-giving ways. So the death sentence of failure has been paid. The death sentence of failure, sins, mistakes, missing the mark, all those things are paid. Get rid of them. Get a new life. And then comes, did you ever hear the expression, button your lip? Okay? That is a biblical perspective. Because verse uh, 15 says, unbutton my lips. (laughs) Unbutton my lips, dear God, and I'll loose, I'll let loose your praise. So there is speaking to all that we are doing. There is, there is a, um, a, I know we always say, well, you know what, you need to come to church. You need to come to church. You know what, people don't like to hear that word, come to church. You know what, you need God. <laughs> you need to meet Jesus and your life will change. And Jesus is a real person. And we find that as we look at the realities of our relationship, okay, As we look at the realities of who we are, we've got this new beginning, we've got this new place in God, we've got a song in our heart, we've got uh, an upbeat person, you know, we're, it's not walking around with a perpetual smile, but it is understanding that life is a gift and the gift that we have is meant to be shared. Say that three times fast. Life is a gift and the gift from God has got to be shared. Something like that. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your Christian walk? You ever watch, I don't like, I see some of them, she likes to watch Dancing with the Stars, The Voice, you know. What's that one where they turn their back and then they push the button? Is that The Voice? You know, and then, of course, how about the ones where they, nine, eight. <laughs> They're really a flop. They got a five, you know. <laughs> ten, Okay. What number would you throw up for your life? Here you are, sitting before God, sitting before the judges of the earth, and you're the one that has to judge yourself, and what kind of a rate are you going to give yourself? I get a... (laughs) I get a what? What would you say? Now, before you give that answer, question. What do you base that number on? What do you base that number on? Not being perfect. Oh, I've, I've, I've sinned. I've failed. Welcome to the human race. Uh, what number do you give yourself and why? Now, in, in this whole psalm, David is talking to us about how that he wants to be poured out before God. He wants God to come in and cleanse him, to um, remove his failures of the past. He, he wants to unbutton his lips so that he can sing praises, that his life is a tune, you know. So what type of a song would we sing about ourselves and our relationship with God? Well, I think most of the time we give ourselves low numbers. You know, we are a four. <laughs> I'm trying to be better. You know, I'm, I'm going to pray more. 
I'm going to be in church more often, you know, because God doesn't like you if you don't come to church. I agree with that one, but uh, no, I don't agree with that one. But uh, we have thinkings, we have thoughts that tell us what the judgment is against us. I failed in some way. Often whenever we give ourselves a low rank, three, four, five, (laughs) when we give ourselves a low rank, we are looking at things from a judgmental perspective that says we failed. Well, what if the failure, failure is never final, okay? What if the failure was forgiven, is forgiven, but yet we still, we still rate our life based upon failure, a fault, a mistake, willful and intentional, unintentional. We rate ourselves on those things. But what is God saying? How is God looking at this? You see, if you gave yourself a low rank, what's the reason? Well, a lot of busy people say they don't have time to pray, don't have time to read their Bible, therefore they are a low rank, okay? Give ourselves a five, four, three, you know. And of course, <clears throat> we want to be humble. You know, I don't want to say I'm a 10. I know I deserve to be a 10. And I would tell anybody else the truth that I am a 10. But since I'm here, I'm a nine. <laughs> not that kind of, not that kind of, you know. That's not what we're looking for. We want the, the honest assessment that goes on inside of us. And the challenge then is for us to look at what God has done and how that God wants to move in our lives. And you know what the most important thing is? Is not how long. See, think about this. How much of the judgment that we put upon ourselves is based upon a quantitative thing. I don't spend enough time praying, meaning hours, minutes, moments. (laughs) I don't spend enough time reading the Bible. So therefore, because of a time frame, quantitative thing, God doesn't like me, I don't like God, it proves that I'm a failure. (laughs) Practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. God is interested in our relationship, not in the quantity of time. That every moment of every day, God is here. God is with us. God is with us every moment of every day. What's he doing there? (laughs) He's supporting you. He's loving you. He is directing us. He is helping us. He is forgiving us. He is, he is leading us. God is with us every moment of the every day. And so it isn't the quantitative time that I sit down or kneel down and close my eyes and bow my head and can't keep my thoughts straight about what I want to tell God. <laughs> and most of the time we're telling God something he already knows. Our time with God is giving him giving us a picture of our heart to him, to God. It is a recognition that God is with me every moment of every day, and I need to recognize, I need to remind myself that God is here. God is with me. 
And I don't understand why life, why things happen the way they do, but yet I trust him. So God is with me, and the more that I recognize that God is with me, the closer the relationship I have with him. And it isn't about success or failure, it's about the relationship, and that in this relationship, I have peace, I have an understanding that I am forgiven, and every time I bring up my faults, God reminds me he forgave me. And that he is in the process of building my life, not destroying it. And that in the places that I find that I don't have hope, he is there to give me hope. In the places that I find myself that I am anxious, I find there is a peace in God. He is there. I saw a, on on one of the stations, um, I think on Daryl Strawberry. Remember, remember Daryl Strawberry? <laughs> he was a baseball player for the New York Yankees. Pardon? The Mets. He was the Mets. He made, whenever he played, he made over $30 million a year. And uh, that was a while back. Uh, so you could tell because now it's $100 million. But anyhow, he made $30 million a year. And a short time ago in his past, he was $3 million in debt living in, a ba- and living in the basement of his girlfriend's parents' home. <laughs> and his life was a mess. Drugs, alcohol, the whole works. And his girlfriend, they broke up. She found God, met God, met Jesus, found forgiveness, found how that God could restore her. She and Daryl Strawberry went, met God, God saved him, changed their life, and now he's got rehab centers, you know, for um, people in distressed situations, young people, older individuals, that for distressed um, people who are in distress with drugs and alcohol, running to end their life. And he has a sponsor, and it was funny, it was on Brian, Brian Gumble was the moderator of it. And whenever the guy was telling the story, he says, well, what he was, what he was trying, to, Brian Gummel was trying to indicate was, well, you know, sometimes people who go these ways of ministry, they find their life quite lucrative. <laughs> and, and as, you know, and uh, the commentator who was doing the story on Daryl Strawberry says, no, his wife has taught him how to shop at Walmart. <laughs> he is not living a lucrative life. And there is nothing in his home that reminds him of his years in baseball. It's all in boxes. And his testimony is, God made my life valuable. Not because of what I was, but because of who God is in his life now, that has changed his life, and he's now in the process of helping others. Meeting God, allowing God, God is here, And our understanding of God comes from the scriptures. And if we don't understand him, you know, he's the one who wants to bring this clear picture to our lives. He's this one who wants us to understand what what he is about. And God is not about finger pointing and, you know, and pushing and, you know, rules and regulations. He's about attitude of the heart that governs actions because I want to serve him, because I want to do the right things before him. And it isn't a matter of a guilt trip. It's a matter of love. It's not a matter of keeping the commandments. It's a matter of doing the commandments because I know it's best for me. I know what's best in my life. And I, and I pray and I pray and I want creativity. 
I want the creativity of God to be in my life and in my mind and my heart. I want the strength of God to be in my life and my mind and my heart. I want the will of God to be in my mind, my heart, and my strength. I want God to touch my life in a way that he can use me to touch others. It's because he's here with me. And we're together in this. And I need to remind myself every moment of every day, God is with me. God is with me. So how do we rate ourselves? Am I a 10? No. Am I a 2? No. God doesn't have a scale. He has a relationship. And in his relationship, he loves me for who I am. You know, I'll quit in about an hour, but anyhow, <laughs> um, I remember um, John Maxwell used to talk about, you know, he's talking about abilities and things that we have. And everybody has abilities. And if we put a number on our abilities, you know, like if I put up, if I use the ability scale and I put my, a number on my ability to sing, I'm a minus two. From zero to ten, I'm a minus two on singing. But uh, um, on speaking, and you know, this, this is my calling. But when I started this ministry of speaking and preaching and teaching and all that, um, I was about a four, maybe a three. And I've tried to work my way up to five, six. But John Maxwell says that, that we, don't, we need to take our life and the things that we do best, the six, the sevens, the eights, that's our place where God wants to do his greatest work in us. Because it's God that takes us from an 8 to a 9. It's God who takes us from an 8 to a 10. And we can't, be, we can't be the greatest singer, the greatest speaker, the greatest writer, the greatest this. We can't be 10s in everything. But God wants us to allow him to take what we are, be- what we are good at and make it the best. And he will surround us with people that help us compensate for our weaknesses. So that when you get the whole group together, across the board, the church is a 10. But individually, we may be a 10 in this way, a 10 in that way, and a 10 in that way. But we all have weaknesses, and in those weaknesses, God brings strength beside us. So when God uses you to be an encourager for those who are discouraged, it's God working through you. For those who have a need and God uses you to help meet their need, you become a tend to them. God is with me, helping me understand who I am. And God will help us take those six, seven, eights, whatever they are, and take them up to another level. And it'll happen not because we defeat ourselves by not putting quantities together, but because we remind ourselves, God is with me. God is with me. And I talk to him every day. I speak with him every moment of every day, reminding myself, God is with me. So everybody say, God is with me. Turn to somebody and say, God is with me. You thought I was going to tell you, tell him it was God's with you. He's with me.
<laughs> and he's with you. <laughs> okay, let's stand, shall we? <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers. <laughs> when you turn to God, he's already there. He's not showing up. He's already there. We're just pausing ourselves to recognize God is with me. Father, thank you for your word, your life, your light, your spirit, your presence. God, you're with us. God, you do all things well. Your spirit empowers us. Your, your, your spirit inhibits our lives, and inhabits our lives, and, and gives us understanding and wisdom and guidance. And you who created all things live inside of us. As David sought you for a cleansing of his life, so, Lord, we, we seek you. We ask you to forgive us of our sins, to live within our hearts. S just search me, know my heart, know my thoughts. If there's any wicked way in me, O oh God, show it to me that I may ask for you, O oh God, to cleanse me and that, God, your strength would be there to make me strong in you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is with me. Amen? God is with me. Remind yourself of that when you're driving down the road, when you're mowing your grass, when you're cooking dinner. Remind yourself, God is with me.